Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Prestige TV pod. My name is Bill Simmons. I'm here with Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, are we being honest with each other now? Are we being honest? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) What what is happening? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's the time for the terrible theme song. What is this theme song? Have we ever talked about this? No, and also just the various dots colliding and then splitting again. Wait, is this like, what genre is this? Is this a song that would be played on the radio? What's going on here? Can we talk about the music on the show for a second? There's some violin going in. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get anything about this show. I love watching it. Let's talk about the talk about the music though. So obviously Apple has a huge budget in general and they're spending a lot on music, but it's, they just play these weird songs for like five minutes at a time instead of actually like writing through some of the drama. Have you noticed that every other episode just ends with like intense dramatic montage to like unplaceable cover of song that you've maybe heard that's sort of like the theme song and it goes on for like nine minutes at such a volume that if you perhaps happened to nod off while rewatching a certain episode, you're immediately woken back up. By a montage. (laughs) Exactly. And someone just like yelling really loudly just about some, about, I don't know what. So, I, I mean, at least they're using their budget, I guess. I think the reason both of us love this show is it's so ridiculously and uh, incorrectly lavish in so many different ways, including with the, with, it feels like they, Apple just studied the algorithms of all these shows that worked. And one of the things that came was like, just put everybody in a big dinner party or a big party sequence or a big house with lots of people near the end of the show, have a montage and make sure you show all the characters and they're all like looking off into the distance. Overspend on all locations, overspend on small parts. Like Will Arnett's playing an agent and Will Arnett's like a star. He's like barely on the show. Hassan Minaj had his own TV show. He's like the ninth lead on the show. It's, it's, it just, it makes me laugh, but I still enjoy watching the show. I can't help it. I liked it too. I think you texted me and said that this episode was like more coherent than the first. It was like, maybe they got some things together and I would agree. I understand what's going on in season two right now, at least, which is primarily a lot of rich people arguing about contracts for an extended period of time. Well, and then Steve Carell filming an indie movie in Italy. 
right. He's filming a Me Too indie movie about cancel culture uh, with a very small budget. They just had enough yeah. money to do one outdoor scene and rent a house for him. Right. So here's what I read is that obviously Steve Carell, because of COVID, was not in Lake Como, which is where they're supposed to be set. So mm. they filmed that that house is somewhere in California, a lovely home, apparently like a former monastery. Sure, why not? Oh. And then they like sent a drone to do the exteriors. But you're right that the infamous like gelateria scene, which they just yelled gelateria like eight times. God bless <laughs> them, actually, is definitely just like studio lot plus one European pharmacy sign to make you feel like you're in Europe. Right. Well, I wonder, did they stumble on a new way to save money on shows that they could then throw the money on other ridiculous things? But like, if Apple had had its way, no COVID, Steve Carell's definitely in Lake Como and they're definitely splurging on the Italy scenes. I mean, splurging, but they weren't able to do it. Which I have no problem with in terms of, I would love to watch Steve Carell like in Italy on lavish sets on my prestige TV. However, why is Steve Carell still on this show? It's, it's a great question. Do you want to answer that now? Because we have three plots. Let's okay. do Steve Carell now. Okay. I don't know why he's on this show. He's We spent the whole season establishing that he's a bad person. But season two is about what happens to you if you're a bad person and you have a lot of money. But then what's your next year of your life look like? I guess that's what, so it's hard not to think about Matt Lauer the entire time you're watching this, right? Yes, because this show was originally based on Brian Stelter's book about the Today Show. And then after the Matt Lauer allegations came out, they had to kind of redo everything, including why Steve Carell was still on the show. So I I guess in this episode, what they're setting up with Steve Carell is like the what happens to a bad person afterwards. But also, so there's this ridiculous showdown at the gelateria where a YouTuber is like, you ruined my gelato, which is like a real sentence that she says. And it's pretty funny. But then, of course, naturally, an Italian documentarian, I believe, comes to his defense. My girl uh, from Rain Man. Yeah. While also seeing, singing like the Italian fascist, like national hymn or whatever. Sure. Normal stuff. But, and, and the scene, like I thought the scene was hilarious, but maybe it's like a little uncomfortable if you think about everything they did to develop Mitch's character in season one. But here's my theory. I think that he and the documentarian are obviously going to become friends and she's going to be like, let me do a story on you and like what happens afterwards. Double cross. And she's going to totally screw him over. Yeah. Yeah. That's my guess. That was my theory as well. Okay. All right. Uh, What I liked about the gelato scene was this is a show that tried to be really sensitive about the Me Too culture in season one, right? Yeah. Now in season two, they've introduced cancel culture. Sure. And the ramifications of that and tried to juggle both of those things in this scene. And they, I thought that character was funny. The the gelato lady who was trying to get him in trouble. It's like everybody in the show is completely over the top. So if you're going to have the, you know, 20 something who's trying to mess with Steve Carell and have a friend video to even like, why not go for it? But then that's going to make everybody under 30 watching the show really mad. How dare they do that? But it's like, this is what the show is. Everybody's a lunatic on the show. Totally. I'm all for making fun of annoying people on the internet and elsewhere. But I agree that the balance in this episode, well, it's it's dangerous to not like follow through already in the same episode with the, the documentarian being like, 
no, no, I gotcha. Even though that's obviously what they're setting up. I guess one of the reasons this was a compelling episode, and it was, was there's some nuance with the Corral thing, right? Because like when you're watching anything, you can watch a documentary about the worst person in the world. You can watch a horror movie. Like at some point, if a character's on the screen, you're going to try to empathize with the character at least a little bit. So you watch this guy sitting sadly in the gelato thing with his life ruined. And you're like, oh man, that's Steve Carell. He seems down in the dumps. <laughs> like they're, they're toying with you with this character in a really interesting way. I'm, I'm not against it. Totally. And they do the, another montage before where they're showing his like sad, glamorous life in Italy and he's zooming into his kid's birthday with, party with his birthday hat. With his birthday hat. <laughs> and in that moment, Steve Carell is doing peak Steve Carell. You love me from the office. I'm like, you know, the American, every person second, only to Tom Hanks. You feel bad for me, which I agree. You're right. They're, they're playing with our associations of, of him and that character and how we receive these things. Do I totally trust the show to land this no. experiment? Oh, I do not. We do not. Like 0%. <laughs> so that's alarming. And then the other thing, which well, I actually- with, with, Hold on. With Steve Carell, they're very careful about not bringing back the girl who ends up dying in season one, basically because of her whole interaction with him. So that, instead of like showing the family, like a sad scene where we would see some, the family now dealing with the wreckage of what happened. And then you go to Lake Coleman, you're like, fuck this guy. They're very careful about- not doing that. So we're kind of sucked in by him a little bit. Right. And even the way that they're introducing the wrongful death lawsuit and they bring in the, like the evil network guy at the end. Yeah. So I thought the best part of like writing in this episode was the $119.2 million, which they drop in as the settlement that Fred Micklin fancy his golden parachute, the network, the the old network executive. Right. And so Fast forward to the last scene where Billy Crudup is dealing with the, the the wrongful death long suit and the family's demand. And they've asked like exactly for $119.2 million, his exact settlement amount. And so- And, and what happens to Billy Crudup? Speechless for the first time in, in 12 episodes. <laughs> Poor guy. He's caring so much. He really is. But He's I on think, my podcast tomorrow, by the way. I can't wait. I'm so yeah. excited. Oh, yeah. Number one Bill Simmons podcast episode of the year for me. Thank you. But- it's they're implying that it's Steve Carell's character who's involved, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, interesting, like, and I get, I don't know whether they're trying to do redemption or you, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm nervous of whether they can pull it off. I assume season two ends with him getting shot and maybe we <laughs> don't know if he got murdered or not. Like, okay. Okay, like, Cause the show all bets are off. I thought you were going to say, I assume season two ends with him like back in the anchor chair, which I still don't you think Can't be in, ruled out. in their hearts that like, that's what they really want. Cause they just want to go back to like Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell in the chairs. Like they st- imagined the show at the very beginning. It's very possible. Yeah. Nothing could be ruled out with this ridiculous sure. show. Also like they've done a terrible job of establishing I guess we're just going to spend this entire season two in June, February, and March of 2020 as COVID is evolving. Cause they had that scene when they're talking about what they should cover. And it's like, oh, we, we can't cover COVID. It, right. We're not wasting time on that. So I guess we're going to have like, I, and I can't wait because this show, oh you know, will handle it in the most <laughs> ridiculous way possible. Like episode six, the person who's really sick in the office Oh boy. And maybe the montage of all the people watching this person sneeze and cough. And like, 
it's like giving the show a live grenade to just hold. Yeah. I, it, it could explode over the entire show. As as you were talking, I was just imagining Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon in full unnecessary hazmat suits, just <laughs> running around the studio. Made by Chanel. Exactly, which is not what I just, I, I don't want it, but obviously I really want oh, we're it. We're going there. Yeah. We're going okay. there. We are reliving COVID <laughs> through the morning show. It is happening. Oh God. Uh, the other two big plots. Mm-hmm. Were, were oh I I gotta say I really liked Rain Man Lady Valerie what's her name Valerie Galino yeah I liked was- her speech about your constant all day everyday comfort we all have to bow and bend over and like her she really went for it she was going for like a best supporting actress it was great it was good to see her again I really enjoyed her in Rain Man biggest thing for us the two of us personally in the relationship we've had now since really 2015 and oh, our love no. for Reese Witherspoon yeah I knew where you were going oh God Bill. Reese is back. Reese is back to being Reese. She's got her hair back. She's got her legally blonde bitch face back. She does. She's there. She she totally bitch faced Jennifer Aniston at the end of the dinner party. They cut to her and she did the that turn face she does. Mm-hmm. Um, she got Where a scrunches couple big, up kind of. Yeah, the scrunch up. Yeah. She had a couple like sc- scenes where she got to yell at people. It was great. Reese, I think, realized season one was not a flattering season for her as an actress and really doubled down. She looks like herself again. Um, I'm back in. L- let me ask you something. Our girl. I, I Reese Witherspoon, I love you so much. Our hero. She's our, you're our number one. I'd like to ask you something about Bradley Jackson, who's her character. <laughs> it's a ridiculous and, name. And <laughs> I, I think in the running for one of the worst developed characters in TV history. Ever. Does she have an accent or she doesn't? She doesn't have an accent anymore. Remember her, all of her family drama that we had to spend so much time on in season right. one? Where, where is that family? Maybe Don't we'll know. find out on like episode seven. Anyway. We'll never know. So just Bill, a, a 40-year-old accomplished professional woman. 40? We have no idea what her age is. She, 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 I think do. she's 32. No, they say, they say 40 when Billy Crudup is hiring her. You know, and they like oh, shut down right. Barney's for the night. But and they he still talks- make her seem like a young whippersnapper. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. A 40-year-old woman who is in a prominent position on the national news disappears from her job for three weeks. Probably going to be covered somewhere. Right. On and the internet. Right. Does she still have her job at the end of it? I would say no. We yeah. we only have seen like <laughs> NBA players do this. this they're just like, I'm just, not, I'm just going this. away. I'll see you guys later. And even there, do they ever really miss the games? I think they're, I thought they were just always calling in being like, I'm not coming to practice. Like find me a new team. I'm going to unravel this even further. Bradley okay. Jackson, 40 year old, had done nothing in her career. And then handpicked by the completely insane Alex played by Jennifer Aniston, who just one night at some banquets, like here's my new co-host. Nobody has any idea. They're on the show for three weeks. They do three weeks together. Right. Three weeks. I agree. And then they both melt down. Aniston goes off. She goes to Maine to write her book on some beautiful cabin. Bradley Jackson stays with Hassan Minaj and the ratings go in the tank. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves for three weeks and the network's like, we've got to save this. We really had something special. You did? I just- what was special? It makes no sense. I don't understand it at all. They would have fired her the, yeah. when she took one sick day. They would have been like, cool, we don't have to pay Bradley Jackson anymore. This is great. I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead until we're talking about Jennifer Aniston's character, but I'm not convinced that like, the Jennifer Aniston is the one that gets fired after everything that happens. 
With the, I mean, right. she has to leave, I guess, because she's sort of like indirectly involved yeah, she's in all got of the, the Mitch, Mitch stuff. stuff and there's yeah. like the book by Marsha Gay Harden that they keep, you know, referencing or whatever. But I just I need more clarity on what happened after that television broadcast, because everyone people just start applauding Jennifer Aniston when she walks into the building. And I just I don't Wait, get yeah, it. Is she like, is she like Sheryl Sandberg after Lean In came out is crossed with. I don't know. Name a feminist icon. Like, I, but why? Why? Why did? Why was that? How this played out? I have no idea because, as I remember, it was in fact Reese Witherspoon's character who like did all of the reporting. Yeah, right. And found it everything. Right, so she the icon? I, d- I don't know. I d- it doesn't make any sense to me. Why, at all. why wasn't that what she was yelling at her when they were hanging out in the hallway? Like, why was it you? Why wasn't it me? I did everything. You did nothing. I agree. But instead they're mostly yelling about how they like Jennifer Aniston's not a good friend, which as she points out to Reese Witherspoon, we worked together for three weeks. I thought right. that was pretty rational on Jennifer Aniston's good. part. Yeah. But also she undermined the whole show because sure. they're like, Oh yeah, you worked together for three weeks. Why right. why is the network so desperate to save this? I just think What a they, three weeks it was though. We learned about abortion. <laughs> we learned God. about we learned about the Me Too movement. Yeah. We learned about coal miners. We had a fire. What a three weeks. But they really do present the morning show in even those three weeks, but really the whole team, like it was like it was the office, like the beloved American office that people rewatch over and over again to spend time together, like a lovely workplace family. I don't feel any connection to the love between any of these people. Yeah, none of them even, we've never really seen them hang out yeah. in any sort of friendship way, have a glass of wine at a hotel bar, nothing. It's very strange. Well, Reese is back. She even got to have the line, I'm not going to be your fucking sidekick. I'm going to be your equal. You know, Reese was like reading the script and check that, like great right. stuff. Yes, yes. Great, love it. Aniston, it, it, to me, it's like watching, we both love, we, we love women's tennis. Mm-hmm. Serena, the last few years where it was still yeah. Serena, but she was kind of kind of grueling her way through these majors and just looked totally put out and what didn't have the same kind of energy or, or effervescence. Right. And you're just like, man, Aniston, I don't know what she's trying to do in this show. I wouldn't call her performance electric. She's put out, she's exasperated. She, they haven't taken advantage at all of how funny she is in some of these right. movies, TV shows. Like we talked about last week, her character sucks. I don't like her character and I don't know why they did this to her. Well, again, I think it's a little bit, she was cast to be what, like Katie Couric in like a, a workplace drama where everyone's just fighting for power. And then. So you're saying she was miscast. Yeah. Basically, well, <laughs> I mean, yes, I think everybody was miscast or they were cast for a different show. Like, I do think they put this entire thing together thinking they would make an entirely different show in season one. And then again, they thought they were going to make an entirely different show in season two. And now they have to all be sitting around the table arguing about whether they should cover coronavirus, which I th- I feel like is just like the writer's room show, like writer's room dialogue, like copy and pasted into the actual show. <laughs> like, should we make this about coronavirus? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know that much about it. Put that in final draft. <laughs> we wrote these other scenes already. But so I don't know if she's miscast or they just... She doesn't get to do what they thought they were going to do with her. But I agree. She's Can just, we say both? Yeah, maybe both. I think sh- she's fun when she's being imperious. And if this show could be a little more fun, if they didn't 
have to cover Me Too and COVID, two super serious subjects, then I think there would be a little more room for her to be doing kind of a parody of, you know, rich, successful lady and actually be sort of funny. But it's not just rich, successful. She's icy. And I'm not sure Aniston can play icy. So it's like, and I don't know who the right person would be, but, you know, like who in her age range, give or take seven years. But it's like, it's basically like the Sigourney Weaver working girl role, right? Yes. Great reference. Thank you so much for I, understanding. I did that yeah, just for you. It was really, yeah, I appreciate it. it it's got to be somebody that I just feel in their core is not a good person. And <laughs> Aniston cannot play that. Like she's, she's always she's gonna want to be likable. And so that that one piece is always gonna be missing with her. And I, I don't know who could have done that, but well well, they're bringing on Juliana Margulies later in the season. Isn't that incredible? Like that there's still more famous people to come on the show. But that also, is also how many shows can she be on? <laughs> Does she just see shows that have expensive budgets and she jumps on them? I think so. In between like writing memoirs, which is apparently something that she did. I haven't read it, but oh. she can she can do icy, right? And I think oh, she can do icy. Yeah, she oh, can yeah. do icy. As I mean, they we had to CGI her in the exactly. final scene with that <laughs> the lady from The Good Wife. So maybe they'll have fun with that. But I agree that it puts Aniston in a weird place because she ultimately she's likable. That's why she sells all the skin creams and stuff. You know, people just want to be like Jennifer Aniston. And I think instead of being mean and icy, her solution is just to seem exasperated. Just exasperated and overwhelmed. And that's kind of what she does with this character. And like, she goes back, she ends up on the wrong floor and it's, ah, 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 and then, ah, ah, and that's kind of what her character does in every scene. And then now they're trying to redeem the character by having her rehire Mark Duplass. Which is, well, let's talk about him. Why? Terrible character. Didn't like him last season. Was good. Was good. Was good. Was good with him off the show. And then he does, he has to do the thing where he's talking about his girl that he found, my fiance or whatever. And it's like, she makes me a better person. It's like, why are you making this guy worse? You've already completely undermined the character. We weren't supposed to like him in season one, right? He was supposed to be someone who was like maybe grappling with some morals, but ultimately like faced the consequences of his actions Natural exit. Corporate lackey. Totally. Like, goodbye. Now you live in New Jersey or similar. Are we supposed to assume that's New Jersey where he has a lovely home? Right. He's coaching. He's going to coach you soccer and have have three kids. Right. But then, and also he and Alex hated each other. Jennifer Aniston's character. Like, like, it's a double betrayal, right? At the very end of season one. And I would say it takes him about 10 seconds to be like, sure, Ten. I'll come it was work like for five. You again. <laughs> it's it's great. Sounds great, Alex. Let's run it back. We're <laughs> well, not they, friends, and we backstabbed each other. Let's do this again. They had to like make some time for like the lingering, wordless close-up on the fiance, who's just like standing in the background of the foyer, being like, "This isn't a good idea." And then he's like, "I'll do it." Yeah, she. Yeah, I'm not sure what her motivation was in that scene, but she because I I didn't know if she was giving her the approving nod or the "What the fuck are you doing." It wasn't they clear. didn't give her a close up either. They were like, no. "You're not worth it." I'm surprised with this show that it wasn't like Viola Davis playing the, the wife for <laughs> I know. you know three seconds. Um, Aniston did say, "I have a dog now, so I have to take him for a walk." I thought there was a weird parallel of Alex, who now has no men in her life, and Aniston, who seemingly has no men in her life mm-hmm. either. And it was like, 
this like loneliness of the the super wealthy, attractive woman in her late 40s, early 50s who basically doesn't need men anymore. Right. And Jennifer Aniston herself also really does love her dogs. Lots of dog con- content on Instagram. Right. Just worked that out. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't made a cameo on this show. So if you had to power rank it, Reese is in the best situation for season two. I'm just saying her her as an actor, actress, like just like she's going to have the most fun, it seems like. I think you got to put Crude up at number one still. Well, Crude up, yeah, he's, I'm not okay. even counting him. Yeah, right, Crude, right, I'm just okay. saying between Reese, Steve Carell, I think, I have no idea why I still have the show, but his Italy journey, I'm ready for. I wish it was directed by, who's the guy who did Call Me By Your Name or whatever, Luca, whatever his name is. Bonino, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I sure. think they should have him direct the Italy things. Why not? They have Just the money. Here, Luca, here, here's some cash. And then Aniston's in the worst part, but we uh, we didn't cover the dinner scene. Crudipo, I just, I think they were like, how can we improve this character? Make him more hyperbolic. Have him turn up at one point in the dinner scene. He goes, "These two women, they changed the course of history." Did they? <laughs> they were on a show for three weeks together. What history was changed? What, what, what is have... different about America without these two women? What did he have to say in the first episode? This is the battle for like this, our souls of eternity or something. Oh, yeah. It was on that level. They they really they realized that he was the best thing working. I think only because like he won an Emmy, and so now they're writing at least two ridiculous scenes for him in every They let him episode. cook. He fires the lawyer yeah. near the beginning. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> the lawyer makes great the stuff. inappropriate NDA thing. And Billy Crudup's like, hey, you're fired. You're out. They also, he, he gives a toast at one point, talks about how great everything's going to be. Nobody at the table likes each other. The show, show's ready to the tank. He's been fired and got his job back somehow. We're still not positive how. Still no idea. Holland Taylor calls in for about 90 seconds, if that to tell him to do something he doesn't want to do, which he then doesn't do. Well, she also has classic line. Yeah. You don't want to get in a pissy match with me. All I do oh, is I- piss. <laughs> Another one where Reese checked that one when she got the really script. Like, Good one. Great. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, I, uh, I'm excited for the Marsha Gay Harden book. Who's the last thing oh, I'll yeah. leave you with. Totally. So they have a couple good, they have a couple good things they're dangling for us. One is, Clearly, Rain Man Lady is going to screw over Steve Carell. I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for that one. They'll probably, they might even have a couple episodes where it seems like they like each other, but I think she's got some sort of ulterior motive. Yes, she says the story. Down. Yeah, she's got an opportunity. We, by the way, Amanda and I have not seen any other episodes other than these two. So it'd be, I know there are some people out there that have seen all the episodes, but we have not. Um, the book is going to be fantastic. The lawsuit, I, you know, lawsuits on TV shows like this can, be effective or not effective, but I'm at least interested to see how it plays out. The 119.2 million was a good flourish. Right. It seems like they're going to use the lawsuit as a way to go after the Fred Micklin character and maybe make it like a little more public, which, you know, might be unseemly, but yeah, it's interesting. It's going after uh, the proxy super rich white media executive is never a bad idea in the show. And then we're two episodes in. We only have 80% of the season left. We have no love interest for Reese or Jennifer Aniston. Nothing. Nothing on the horizon. No chemistry. Nothing. Well, except for, and I'm nervous to say it, Billy Crudup, who is mm. exploring chemistry with both of them. I I don't think that this is a good idea for the show or for the character. <laughs> for a show that that's exploring Me Too and cancel culture? Which is exactly why I'm like, oh no, this is what they're going to do. In a way, I'm like, oh, this will be great. And in another way, I'm like, oh, this is a disaster, which is really the morning show in a nutshell. 
do you think they'll say the whole there's chemistry with him and Reese, but mm-hmm. they can't act on it because it's it's not right. She would have to quit the show for them to pursue this. Do we will we have that episode? I mean, we have to at some point, right? They've already just been yell- shrieking at each other on New Year's Eve about how I thought we were friends, but then we're not friends anymore. And I'm not coming into work. I was doing my fake Reese Witherspoon Southern accent great. there. Thank you so much. So they like, why else do they keep teasing out this fake friendship between these two people? They were never friends at any point. And they never really had one scene that was convincing in any way. And it just seemed like in season one, Reese was mad that she lost the coin flip for blonde hair. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Season two, she's like, I'm taking my blonde hair back. Uh, We didn't really talk about the hallway scene. I guess we could end there. That was actually a really fun scene. It just like Reese got her mojo back. I feel like little fires everywhere. She lost her mojo a little bit. Season one morning show lost her mojo a little bit. And now Reese is back. Big little lies, Reese. She's all she was missing was the glass of the big glass of Chardonnay. Yeah. And at the risk of, you know, uh, undermining feminism or whatever, isn't the reason we're watching a show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon in competing roles to ultimately watch them yell at each other? Like we were we were waiting for this and they were not really doing it. I will say it's really long. It's a really long scene. And this show really tends to just stuff in like three more pages of dialogue into every scene than is like totally necessarily. But yeah, they go for it. I thought they both made good points. Well, she, she was like, I'm going to compete. I'm not your fucking sidekick. And Aniston says, compete, they compete. (laughs) It's like, all right, I guess this is on. We're competing. And there's a little like real life stuff. Like, do we think, do we think Jan and Reese are like close buddies? I'm going to say no. No, I think they're kind of the the work friends that send like overly florid emails and are like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. Did you have the best weekend? You know, you know, like the West Side type of friendship. Yeah, there's like maybe a social media post for somebody's big birthday. Exactly, that's like brokered through the various assistants because none of them actually run their social media. But in the, I think in they're the nice power to each balance other. though, this is Reese's company that does the show. So there, there is a little like, if it ever came to it, it's like, well, you're lucky I cast you and we pay you two million an episode or whatever. What do we think they make per episode? At least two million, right? They do. It was reported. I think they each make two million per episode. What do you think Will Arnett made to go? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm gonna talk in a low voice. I'm doing my Dirty Rock guy again for exactly one scene while I sit on the floor. Well, that book will be good for you. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> And Hassan Minaj, what is he doing? Why is he in this? This scene between Hassan Minaj and Jennifer Aniston was the most nonsensical of the entire show. I I didn't even know. Why was she mad at him? What did he do? I have no idea. He just took an open job. I have absolutely no idea. I I don't get it. This is a ridiculous show. I can't wait for season, for episode three. We, you and I, I don't know if we're going to recap. We're going to come back mid season, maybe. Right. That's the right thing to do. And and, well, we do this every week, but I do have to let you know, I was informed that there's a big twist in episode three by Juliet. So maybe we're back. Yeah. She tried it. I I don't know what it is. I cut her off, but we'll see. I was also informed by Nora Princiati that she loves this show. So if we do come back for episode three, we'll maybe we'll bring her in to spruce it up. She'll be like our Hassan Minaj. We'll just, <laughs> I hope not. We'll just let's, start screaming at her for let's no give reason. Her better character development than that. Nor deserves better. Uh, all right. So we'll see how big the twist is. The okay. show comes out on Friday. 
It's still really hard to find an Apple TV. Hey, Apple TV, if you're going to spend 50 million an episode, I should be able to click on the Apple TV thing and it'll come right there and I could pick up what episode. Like, why did they make it so hard? I don't know. I have to search for it every time. I'm like, come on. I'm a devoted fan. Give it to me on the home screen. HBO Matt, I'm rewatching Succession right now and I'll come back to the episode I missed and all of a sudden I'm three episodes back. I'm like, what? It's just on episode six. Why am I back to episode three? Work on all your algorithms. Okay. All right. So we might be back next week on the Prestige TV pod. This was produced by Steve Allman. And we have Ted Lasso, Van and Chris. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And then some other good ones, too. I watched five episodes of Midnight Mass Okay. with my daughter, who loves that stuff. And I, I think we're going to have to do an episode on that on this on this feed at some point with not with me because I don't understand anything that's going on but <laughs> I we'll haven't watching it <laughs> but it's good it's really good it's okay. a little religious but yeah all right Amanda it's great to see you thanks Bill this episode is brought to you by State Farm You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.